just after Easter, we started this series called the Patriarch Series, and uh, um, basically we're looking at the lives of three very important men in the Old Testament. It was uh, Abraham, his son Isaac, and then his son, or one of his sons, Jacob, and um, this series, you know, we, we got started on it, but then we, the last month, we basically took a break from it, so now I'm going to try to get us back on track. And if you remember, sort of, uh, you know, bullet points, in Genesis 12, God revealed himself to Abraham, like, hey, Abraham, and, oh, and he said, Abraham, I've chosen you, and I've chosen your descendants uh, for a very special purpose. And he said, you know, Abraham, I, you're going to have more descendants that are even, it's, that it's even possible, it'll be impossible to count your descendants. And, and through your family line, Abraham, I am going to bless the whole world. And Abraham is standing there with his wife, Sarah, and he's going, wow, that sounds great. But unfortunately, we can't have any children. You know, and isn't that just like God? It's not like God was like, what? You know, where did I get this intel from? You know, calling up some angel. But, but isn't it just like God to invite Abraham, to invite us into a walk of faith? That it just, it's impossible for us. And he says to Abraham and Sarah, he's going, well, no, uh, I, I'm, I'm committing to, I am promising to give you a child, and I'm just asking you to come follow me. And so they say, okay. And they're following him, and, and it's taken a little longer than they think it should, and so they try to help God out. And you remember, uh, Sarah gives her servant, Hagar, to Abraham, and they have a little boy, and God goes, you know, named Ishmael, and God looks at Ishmael, and he goes, he's really cute, but that is not my plan. Uh, the plan is that you and Sarah are going to have a little boy. And uh, then years later, uh, Isaac is born, and then years after that, Sarah dies, and so that brings us now to Genesis 24, and, and, and in Genesis, uh, Genesis 24, Abraham is looking for a wife for his son Isaac. And when we look at this chapter, what we're going to see is that primarily it's about God's guidance, God's, God's faithful guidance. You know, all through the Bible there is a theme, Old Testament, New Testament, there is a strong theme of God's, uh, God's plan and God's desire to lead, his, to lead his people. And you know, remember, he sends Jesus to earth and Jesus totally, you know, nails this or, 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 or emphasizes this plan and desire of God that he says literally one of his names, Jesus, is the good shepherd, right? So God's, this theme all through the Bible, it's letter A there in your notes, is that there's this theme that he's the shepherd and we're the lambs, right? He's the shepherd, there we go, and we're the lambs. And one of the cool things about this relationship is that it never changes, like no matter how old you get or no matter how accomplished or smart or how many degrees or how rich you get or how whatever you get, this relationship never changes. He's always the good shepherd and we're always his little lambs. There's never gonna be a time when, you know, walking with Jesus and following Jesus where he goes, okay, little one, you're on your own and just sort of walks away from us. Like isn't that comforting just to know that that, that's his plan. That's his desire that you and I are always, he always sees us as his little lambs and he takes that responsibility on himself that I'm your shepherd and I'm the good shepherd. And you know, in, in many ways, here's what it looks like. I think I've said this before, but if, 
If the most important thing in life was basketball, and I'm glad it isn't because I'm not a basketball player, but if it was, here's what it looks like. Every day, you know, I get up, I go walking into the living room, and you know who's sitting on my couch making it look really small would be LeBron James, right? And he'd be going, good morning, whatever he does, good morning, Michael, and I'd be, <coughs> good morning, LeBron. And, and, and I would literally, everywhere I go and whatever I do, I'd be walking with LeBron James, Right, and every, I'd be like, I'd be, I'd be constantly checking in with LeBron because he's right there. I'd be saying, like, I'm not a basketball player, so if basketball players, just give me some grace here. Like, if I had a hockey stick right now, it'd be different. But it's like, I'd be, I'd be, you know, shooting like this. Is that the way you do it, LeBron? Am I, am I standing the right way? Am I in the right place? I would constantly be checking in with him. He would constantly be teaching me and guiding me. Well, that's that's the relationship that God intends for us. Uh, Psalm 46, verse one says this. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. You know, it doesn't say in that scripture, it doesn't say, you know what? With me as your good shepherd and you as my little lamb, what that means is uh, that you will never have any troubles. That's not true, is it? Right? The truth is right now, I'm sure... For many of you, you feel like the earth is giving way. You're in a place right now where it's like, I don't know what to do. I feel lost. I feel like I am just, you know, holding on. What that scripture does say is as we uh, go through trouble, when we have those seasons where it feels like the earth is giving way, we're, we're never alone. We are never alone with what we're going through. The good shepherd is always with us. But here's the challenge. Back in Genesis 3, and, and, uh, you know, it's known as the fall, right? When the, when the serpent deceived, when the devil deceived Adam and Eve, and, and sin you know, uh, just came flooding into to humanity, one of the consequences of, of, of the fall is forgetfulness. That we have forgotten that God is, he's the good shepherd. We've forgotten that we're always his little lambs. We've forgotten that his intent, like that, you know, with LeBron, that we've forgotten that every day he is right there and he's with us and he knows what we need and he knows, you know, he, he, he's there to guide us and lead us, but we've, we've, we've forgotten that. Well, as we look at Genesis 24 today, what we're going to see in this story is that there are some principles that are going to stir our memory, that are going to stir up that, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. He's the good shepherd, that's right. What I'm going through right now, I am not alone. He's with me. He is with me right in the middle of this mess. He is right there. We're going to see some principles in this story that are going to help us tune in with the good shepherd's presence that are gonna help us tune in with the good shepherd's, uh, his guidance, his day-to-day guidance in our lives. So let's, let's pray, and then uh, we'll jump into Genesis 24. Let's pray. So Lord, uh, I ask that good shepherd, you would come and walk among us today. Like even just looking out at all these people, all these lambs, Lord, that you would come and walk amongst your flock. 
you know every lamb by name. I thank you just as in John 10 that, you know, my, my sheep know my voice. And I pray today that you would uh, open our ears to your voice, to the voice of the good shepherd. Lord, just come and meet us. Come and be personal with each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, turn your Bibles to Genesis 24. If you don't have a Bible, we have them at the front. At the back, we have large print ones, uh, but you need a wheelbarrow to carry them. Okay, that seemed funny to me, but hey, that's okay. I'm very secure. <laughs> okay, Genesis 24, and we're going to start by reading uh, verses uh, 1 through 9. Here's what it says. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, let me stop there real quick. You know, I think this adds a lot to the story. This senior servant, remember back in Genesis 15 when God, you know, he's laying out his covenant and his promise to Abraham, and Abraham goes, how is that going to work? Because I don't have any children. In fact, everything I have is going to my servant Eliezer. Well, most of the commentaries I read said that's who he's talking to in this conversation. So I'm going to throw Eliezer's name in because I think it makes it more personal than just some random servant. So that helps me. I hope it helps you. He said to Eliezer, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives, and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife from my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So Eleazar the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. So we'll stop there. Okay. So again, here's Abraham. He's getting older. Uh, His son Isaac needs a wife. And he's calling on Eliezer, this, you know, this, this servant who has been loyal and faithful all these years in his house. And he's, and he's laying this huge task on this guy's shoulders. Hey, I want you to go and, and, uh, and, and find a wife for Isaac. And then they do this thing where you know, he puts his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham. And, and, you know, and that's where we get the thigh master from. <laughs> it's very deep. I know I'm going deep. But no, you know, it's interesting... You know, there's this, oath that, there's, there's this oath that's going on. And it's funny, in, in all the commentaries, it doesn't say anything about it. It's so, obviously, it was something in the culture. And, but, you know, it's interesting that Abraham makes it real clear. Go find a wife, but I don't want Abraham, uh, Isaac marrying any, any of the Canaanite women. I want you to get a wife from our people. And, you know, that's a foreshadow. If you look through the Old Testament and into the New Testament, there's this, when, in God's dealing with his people, he's constantly saying, I want you to come out from the world. You're my people. I'm your God. There's this called outness, and that's really what that is pointing to. So I don't want him marrying you know, outside the family. And, and here's Eliezer taking this all in, and, and you can just tell he's like, oh, man, 
How, like, how am I supposed to find a wife? And, and then we see Abraham in verse 7. He speaks with such confidence to Eliezer. And basically he says, don't worry. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. God will go before you and he is going to handpick a wife for my, for my boy. And, and, you know, as I read that, I stopped and I thought, how is it that Abraham, he's, in, in verse 7, how is it that he is saying that with such confidence? He is so confident that God is going to take care of this. And number one in your notes says, trust in the Lord. How is it that Abraham was so confident, he was so trusting the Lord? And letter A says this, present trust based on past faithfulness. Present trust based on past faithfulness. So in verse 7, we see Abraham, he is, he is recalling to Eleazar, he's recalling all the ways, as he looks back on his life, all the ways that God has been faithful. That, you know, it was God who, who called my name. It was God who spoke to me. It was God who led me and led us, you know, away from my people. It was God who made this covenant. It was God who made this promise of a child. It was God who fulfilled it. And you know what, Eliezer, every day when I see my son Isaac, it reminds me of the faithfulness of God, that he'll do what he says he'll do. So, so how do we grow, looking at the example of Abraham, how do we grow in this area of trusting God and it's it's taking time to remember to remember what God has done and you know if if you look in the Bible and you look at the you know uh, the Jewish people the Jewish culture so much of what we see in in that culture and in the Bible they're constantly looking back aren't they they're, I mean, just this series, the Patriarch series, how many times do they re refer back to, yeah, but remember, remember how he called Abraham and he led Abraham and Isaac, how you know, he was faithful to his promise and, uh, and, and how he led Jacob and how they're constantly looking back to that. Or, or one of the biggies is the, the story of the Exodus. Like, you see it all throughout the Bible. They're constantly looking back to, remember, he raised up a deliverer, you know, in Moses and and he led them out of Egypt. He protected, he protected our people from, from the Egyptian army. He led them through the, the Dead Sea, he, or the Red Sea. He, he fed them. Their Birkenstocks never wore out in the desert. And, just, and basically what this remembering is, he did it for them. He's going to do it for us. It's, it's that looking back. It's that drawing encouragement in the presence because of God's activity in the past, this, uh, Psalm 77, verse 11 says this. It says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. You know, I think of what we, we've done already this morning is we've gathered together as a church. Uh, we've gathered together to express our faith. So much of worship is remembering. Remember who he is. Remember who we are. Remember what he, what he said he would do. Uh, communion. As JT was leading us in communion, what, what's at the heart of communion? You know, there's this, this, you know, the bread representing his body, the cup representing his blood. Do this what? In remembrance of me. Every time we take communion, such a simple little thing, it's, it's to remind us. Remember that what he did on the cross, that you don't have to carry guilt and shame around anymore. You can be forgiven for any and every sin. 
you can be set free from any and every addiction or anything that, that you know, or, or generational things in your family. The, when we take communion, it's remember. Remember the power of the cross. That you can be forgiven. And you know what? Because of the cross, you can now turn and you can forgive others. So much of what we do on, as we gather is, is, is remembering. And I know as I was prepping for this sermon, I was talking to my wife, Helen. I said, we're talking about this whole thing of remembering. And we're just... As, as, as a couple, we were talking about how, you know, when we're struggling or if one of our kids are, are, are struggling, is struggling, that to encourage ourselves as we pray for them or as we, you know, when anxiety comes in as a parent, you're like, oh, what do we do? And how many times we would look back in their lives, yeah, but remember, remember what God said. Remember that time of that service when that guy said this and that lady prayed for him? And like it, we, we look back at the past to be, to be encouraged, to, to, to grow our trust and our faith now in the present. And so, you know, here's a question is how do you remember? Or, or maybe another question would be what do you remember? Because you know what I think in our culture, and I don't know, maybe, maybe this is exposing my heart. I think we're way more prone and way better at remembering our disappointments than we are the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. Like, how many of you are journalers? Don't be embarrassed. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. How many of you look at Pinterest? No, no okay. You know what? <laughs> I'm a lousy journaler, <laughs> but I, every few years I try again. And, but I have been trying to discipline myself uh, to write down those God moments, those, those God stories, to, to, uh, to document answered prayers. Because those are, like, those are gold. Those things are solid gold. Those are nuggets that when you're, when you're feeling you know, uh, uh, lost or discouraged or you're, you're really you know, questioning things about God, you can go back to those things and they are nuggets of truth that we can draw encouragement from. So how do we grow our trust? How do we grow our, just our confidence in the goodness of God as we remember? So let's go on. Abraham assures Eliezer. He reminds him, Eliezer, it's going to be okay. God has it covered. So let's read on verse 10. It says, Then the servant left, Eliezer left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Then Eleazar prayed, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. 
After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man Eleazar watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. We'll stop there. So here's Eleazar. He's rolling into town and he's coming up to the spring and <laughs> it's in the cool of the evening and he parks the camels and, and, and he, he's standing there and you know, all these young gals are coming out that, you know, uh, to get water for the evening and he's like, oh man, you know, it's like, uh, it's like The Bachelor, you know what I mean? <laughs> he's sitting in a room with 20, well, maybe I won't go too far on that, but it's, it's yeah, he's standing there and, uh, and he's just going, how am I supposed to pick? How am I supposed to know which one is the one for, for Isaac? And then he goes, okay, but wait a minute. Remember, remember what, what Abraham said. I, I need to trust in the Lord. He's been faithful. He will be faithful. And so number two in your notes, so Eleazar chose to lean not on his own understanding. In verse 12, this is how he does that. In verse 12, he prays. See, one of the things about prayer, when we pray to God, when we, and that's just talking to God, when we take a decision or a struggle, whatever's going on, when we submit that to God in prayer, that's, that's leaning on his understanding, right? That's us saying to him, I, I need to hear from you. I need, I need you, in Eliezer's case, I need you to lead me to the one that you've chosen. And, and so how do you lean less on your own understanding? In letter A in your notes, it's, it's believing that Father knows best, right? And that's as we pray and submit things to God, it's, it's saying, I don't know what to, you, what to do, but I believe that you know what's best in the situation. And again, one of the consequences of the fall is that we really don't believe that. We really don't believe that he knows best. And, and, you know, you can just see the enemy in, in the garden to Adam and Eve. And aren't, can't you see him trying to stir up just some uh, just distrust towards God? Like, well, did he really say that? Like, what do you think he's hiding from you? Right? What do you think he's keeping from you? And I think in this forgetfulness that, you know, that Father, as we've, we've forgotten that he does know what's best for us, that we not only... Uh, 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 we distrust him, but we don't want to submit our decisions to him because, you know, we, don't want, we want our goodies. And we're just convinced he's going to say no and we're not going to get what we want to have. Does that make sense? But here's the thing. What if those goodies are going to destroy our lives? What if those goodies that we're just so convinced we have to have are going to blow our marriages apart? Or, you know, destroy our health or, or, or you know, destroy our, our, our finances. See, part of believing that Father knows best is believing that he sees what we don't see. And, you know, when, when, when in this picture that Jesus has given us that, hey, I am the good shepherd, you're my little lambs. I talked to a guy last night uh, who actually used to farm lambs, keep lambs. You can tell. I don't know how to play basketball. I don't know anything about lambs. But he, you know, we just laughed about how foolish sheep are. And you know what? Literally, the picture I get is God's like nudging, like, oh, no, no, hey there, little, you know, move over here, move over here, because you don't see it. And as you're munching the grass and walking along, you don't see, but you are right on the edge of a cliff. 
And if you keep going the way you're going, you're going to be like a little mutton pancake down at the bottom. He sees what, what we don't see. And, and so, you know, here's Eliezer. He's, he's trying to take this in. Based on his understanding, well, I'm kind of like brunettes myself. It's like, it's like that's not going to cut it in this decision. So he's, he's, he's submitting it to God. And what he does, and if you were raised in the church, or uh, he prays a, a prayer uh, uh, that we would call a fleece prayer. You know what I mean? A fleece prayer, and it's referring back to a story in Judges 6 where this guy Gideon, remember God comes to Gideon and says, hey, I've chosen you to lead my people in the war, and Gideon's like, what, me? And, and I, you know, I won't go into the story, but basically in his insecurity, he goes, okay, God, I need to prove to me that it's you. So if you will do A, B, and C, he lays a fleece, well, literally, but if you will do A, B, and C, then I will know that it's, it's, it's really you. Well, this kind of prayer, or this kind of uh, a fleece prayer is not a good model for decision making, right? And, and, and here's one of the reasons why it's not a good model is because a fleece prayer, in many ways, what we're doing is we are forcing God's hand, right? He's the good shepherd, we're the sheep. The sheep don't say to the pastor, hey, uh, you know, we've been talking. Uh, the sheep don't give the orders, the good shepherd gives the orders. And, and many times a fleece prayer, it's more me saying, I'm insecure right now. I don't like where this is going. I'm not sh- I don't even know where this is going, so I am demanding an answer from you. So we lay out a fleece prayer. But now, uh, God can use fleece prayers or, or you know, circumstances or, or coincidences to get our attention. But... but it would be foolish to base your decision solely on a coincidence. So I remember um, about eight years ago, I had just resigned my position down at Vineyard Columbus. And, and I would say uh, uh, I was pretty burned out. I was very tired and a little weary. And, and, uh, uh, and I can remember just uh, in that season going, okay, well, what am I going to do now? I need a job. And, uh, and I was trying to think about that, and in sort of this really kind of weary state, I can remember this thought just came floating into my mind, and it was, you know what, I think it's time to quit the ministry, I think it's time, just, just, just you know, don't pastor anymore, and just go find a job and go to work. And, uh, you know, I remember one day, we were driving, it was really early in the morning, and, and Helen, our two sons, everyone, they were all sleeping. I was awake, I was driving, and we were bombing out to Pittsburgh. <laughs> I knew Laurie would like that. We're driving out to Pittsburgh. I'm going to go lead worship at a French church there, and we're bombing along, and, and I'm just thinking about this. You know, what am I going to do, and, and maybe I should just find, a, just find a job. And then I had this memory pop into my mind, like, yeah, you know what? When I was a kid, I always wanted to be a truck driver. Like big trucks. I always wanted to, why do you laugh? I always wanted to drive a semi, right? And, and I was thinking, yeah, maybe I should get my license and maybe I should pursue that. And you know, wouldn't it be greater to just be responsible for boxes and not people? I mean, you can kick boxes. <laughs> but I was thinking that through and, and maybe I'll pursue that. And, I'm, and this, I'm not exaggerating one bit. I'm driving along and we're coming up. You know, there's, I think it's on 70. We're passing all these trucks. And just as I'm thinking that, we're coming up beside this big semi. And as we're going by, I looked at the trailer, right? And written on the trailer in huge letters, as I'm thinking all this, was Hanson's Trucking. 
And here's the amazing thing. They spelt it right. It was S-E-N, right? Dane spelled it S-E-N. And I literally went, I went, wake up, wake up, everybody. And they're like, we're going to die. You know, there's an accident. And, and they all wake up. And I'm, I'm looking at them and I said, God just spoke to me. And I told them the story and the boys were like, yeah, and I go back to sleep, you know. And, and, uh, uh, but here's what I know now years later, looking back on that story, that I do not believe for a second that that was God's guidance. In fact, I would go so far as to say that that was a distraction of the enemy. That he was in that weak time, he was coming in and saying, hey, come on. And, then he, and he set that up. He set that up. And, and so, so how do you then, how do you nurture this, you know, this trusting God, trusting that he knows best? How do you nurture uh, leaning not on your own understanding and this whole thing of decisions? Well, it's letter B there is it's in making, it's in wise decision making. And, and last Tuesday, uh, Danny Meyer, senior pastor, taught a, a class. We have equipped classes, and it was on uh, hearing from God. And there's about 60 people there, and, and I was sitting there thinking, man, I wish our whole church was here right now because it was excellent. It was an excellent class just on, 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 on wise decision-making. And I'm, I'm going to take one little snippet from something that Danny said, and, and he, he gives this grid where he talks about in decision-making and, you know, in, in hearing from God, he said it, the grid goes from objective to subjective, right? Objective being solid, wise ways, you know, uh, uh, of making decisions all the way down to subjective, which would be not as solid, you know? So, like, fleece prayers, circumstances, coincidence would be way down here on the subjective side. And I'm just going to mention the first two that were on the objective side. Number one, in making wise decisions... Number one is it's, it's submitting our decisions to Scripture, to the Word of God, right? Does it line up with what we see in the Bible? Does it sound like something God would do? Does it look like something God would do? The Bible is full of practical information on relationships, on what we do with our money, on what we do with our time, on what we do with our sin. So a good question to ask is does it, does it line up with scripture, but one of the challenges with the Bible, as we go through life and all the decisions we make, is that it, it's not, um, it doesn't get super specific, meaning there's no like, you know, well, John 22, verse 6 says, Michael should not be a truck driver, but rather he should continue as a pastor. Like, wouldn't it be great if the Bible was like that specific and, you know, just, uh, but it isn't. So, number two, on the objective side of wise decision making, is submitting our decisions to the counsel, uh, to counsel from, from mature brothers and sisters. It's taking that decision and laying it before, you know, a brother or sister that has been walking with Jesus and saying, what do you think in this decision? And, you know, here's one of the things. Listen to this. Proverbs 12, 15 says this. It says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Like how many of you this morning would look back on your life and look back on decisions that you've made uh, relationally, decisions that you've made financially, how many of you would say, man, I wish I would have submitted these decisions to, to God's word. I wish I would have submitted these decisions to a, to a mature brother or sister. How many? Put your hands up. Like it, yeah. See, Here's something when it comes, if, if you're in the place of making a decision, and this, this should be like a dashboard light. 
If you aren't willing to submit it to Scripture, if you aren't willing to submit that decision to a, to a, a, a mature brother or sister, well, you're, you're, you're walking over here right now. You're in the danger zone because that says something already about just what's going on in your heart. Does that make sense? You're, you're walking on the edge of a cliff. If you aren't willing to, to submit that, uh, a willingness to submit our decisions to God and select others grows our ability to lean not on our own understanding. See, when we're convinced we know better than the good shepherd, I mean, I mean, it's like we're walking around with our head in the grass and we think we see better than him, right? Is the, the thing is, how do we learn that he really is the good shepherd is when we, we give him chances to be our good shepherd. If you aren't gonna lean into him and say, what do you think? You know, and, 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 and be open-handed with the things that we want. But what we find and what Abraham found and what Eleazar was soon to discover is that God is faithful. Like he knows you and he loves you. If he takes something away from you, know that it's for your best. If he says turn left instead of you're like, no, please say right, please say right. He goes, go left. It's because he loves you and he knows uh, what's best for you. So here's Eleazar, he's looking out and he's remembering what Abraham said and he's going, he's leaning not on his own understanding. He's looking to God saying, you need to guide me. So let's finish off the story here. Uh, verse 22, it says, when the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becca and, took, and, and two gold bracelets weighing 10 shekels. Then Eleazar asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son that Milcah bore to Naor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. Then Eleazar bowed down and worshiped the Lord, saying, praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. Now, can you imagine? I wonder what that looked like to Rebecca. You know, to see this, you know, I don't know what, I mean, I'm sure Eleazar, I mean, Abraham's loaded and rich. I'm sure he was, you know, probably wearing designer robes. And, and, he's, and he's standing there, and he's got all these camels loaded. So obviously, he's a wealthy man. He just gives her, you know, he gave her some gifts, etc. And as she responds to him and just says, you know, well, this is who I am, and this is my family, and he bows down and worships the, worships the Lord. And he's like, I can just see Eliezer going, wow, God. I wanted to believe that what Abraham said was true, that you would guide me, but you've gone way beyond what I thought you would do. I mean, you not only have found a, a, a woman, a, a wife for, for Isaac who is beautiful, she is kind, and man, can this girl work, <laughs> you know, getting water for all those camels, but wow, she's Abraham's, would it be niece, but she's related to my master Abraham, and he's just blown away by just the faithfulness and the goodness of God, so how do you grow your ability to trust God, how do you grow your ability to lean not on your own understanding, but to lean into him, it's number three, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Here's what I mean. Uh, letter A, it's recognizing and celebrating God's activity. Right? It's acknowledging him. It's, it's looking for opportunities in your life to say, 
that was you, God. Right? To say that, was, that, was, uh, uh, that wasn't just, you know, a coincidence. That, that was God's activity. You know, one of the things that I've been uh, practicing now for like, I don't know, like a year or more. You know, I'm sure you've experienced this where you're getting ready to go out the door and you're, and you're walking out the door of your house and all of a sudden this little voice in your mind and it sounds like your own voice says, oh, hey, don't forget that book you were supposed to bring. What I'm doing now is I'll stop and I'll out loud, I'll say, thank you, Lord. That's not just me and my subconscious. I believe that's the good shepherd who knows me and knows how forgetful I can be as I'm heading out the door and who, who says, who would literally speak into that situation with all that's going on on the planet Earth, that he would look at this little lamb and he would speak into my life. It's looking for opportunities in our day-to-day lives to give God the credit. Um, uh, last Saturday morning, I was, uh, I got, I was up early and, and I went onto our uh, our back, we have a deck in the back of our house, and I, was, I went back there to check on something, and as I walked out, it was like, I don't know, uh, it was pretty early, it was about 9.30, no, it was, it, was, uh, it was like quarter to seven or something, and I walked out there, and I looked, and I couldn't find what I was looking for, but, but then as I was standing there, we, our, our house backs onto a forest, and, and I just noticed the birds singing that morning, and I, I stopped, and I just stood there, and I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty contemplative person. I must have stood there for like 30 seconds. And, but I just stood there and just listened to this, this song going on. Just these birds singing back and forth. And so I just, I took that in. I went inside the house and I was thinking, I had a meeting I had to get ready for. And, and I thought, okay, I don't have time for my normal morning routine where, you know, with my, where I'm reading through the Bible, different sections and stuff. And I thought, I'm going to grab, my wife Helen reads that book Jesus Calling, which I know many of you do. It's an excellent devotional. Uh, we don't have any in the, on the book uh, shelf thing back there, but we can order more in. But uh, I thought, I'm just going to read uh, the reading for today. So I turn to July 25th and listen to what I read. As you listen to birds calling, calling to one another, hear also my love call to you. <laughs> and I sat there, and it's like everything just stopped. I was sitting there and I thought, wow, that's you. Like, you know me. You know the, you know the, the longing in my heart to, to hear that, to know that you love me. You know how every day I long for that, to just hear your voice and to feel you come close. And I can just imagine as I'm standing in the backyard listening to the birds, he's looking at the angels going, I'm going to blow this guy's world in a second here. Just hold on. And I, but you know what? It was like, that's you. You know me. And that's, that's, that's what the good shepherd does. That's, that's how he operates in our lives. It's, that's not a coincidence. That's God. That's God interacting and coming close. And, and that's just one of millions of ways that he can come close to his little lambs. Because he knows how to speak to his little lambs. In John 10, it says, he says that his, his sheep know his voice. But you know, I think we miss out so much on his voice because we don't, we don't expect it. We don't look for it. We don't give credit when credit's due that that wasn't just random. It was God. That was God going, boom, and just stepping right into our lives. And you know what? I'm convinced what, what, we, what, we, what you and I really need right now what we don't need is, is 
an end to the struggle in our lives, right? Whatever you're going through right now, as nice as that would be, what we don't need is the, just as, you know, a, 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 a ceasing of the struggle. What we do need is a, is a deeper understanding, a deeper experience, a, a, a greater expectation that God is our ever-present help, that God is always with us, that no matter what you're going through, we are, we are never alone. You know, I think of that saying, remember this saying, you know, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, and you feed him for his life, right? I think I got that right. See, that's what we need. It's not, it's, not, uh, uh, it's not avoiding trouble because we know in this life, this life is hard. And even as with the good shepherd leading us, there's so many times I go, why would you lead me here? This doesn't make any sense. But he's a good shepherd. And I have to trust that he knows best. And, and, but but, what we, but what, as we go through the troubles in life, what we need is just a, that daily knowing, that daily remembering, that daily trusting. Whatever I'm going through, I'm his little lamb. And, and he is the good shepherd. And, and I am never, never, I am never uh, alone in what I'm going through. So why don't we stand up? You know, I believe this morning that God wants to break off forgetfulness. That... Uh, you know, again, one of the consequences of the fall is that, is that we have forgotten. We've forgotten who he is. We've, we've forgotten who we are. You know, I, it's, I, uh, I love the, the movie, the Disney. Remember the Lion King? When, the, was it, I can't remember his name right now, but the monkey says to Simba, remember who you are. Right? You're, you're a prince. You're the prince. You're a son of the king. What are you doing living out here? What are you doing running to that or when, when you're in trouble? You're a child of the king. What are you doing running, you know, trying to figure it out on your own when, when, the, when the wisest of wise the, is right there with you saying, oh, I can do this. I know what to do right now. That God wants to, he wants to break through this, the, the muck of the world, the lies of the enemy, and he wants to break off and, and he wants to remind us this morning uh, to remember who we are as his kids. So let's just quiet ourselves for, for a minute here. And Lord, I, I just say, come, Lord, and do that. Just come and, and uh, break off forgetfulness in Jesus' name. Come to each one of us today and just say, let me remind you who you are. You're my creation. You're my son. You're my daughter. I have greatly invested in you. I am forever, eternally committed to you. Lord, you're my little lamb. Just come, Lord. Come speak truth. Lord, come and bring relief. Where we're trying to figure it out on our own, where we're stressed out because we feel like it's all on us. To, make, to fix the problem. Just come with truth this morning. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. 
you know, I just want to give us an opportunity to respond. I just feel like there's a lot of people this morning, what you need to know right now is that you're not alone with what you're going through. And the good shepherd, you need to come to the good shepherd. And he wants to look over his lambs. And he wants, to, he wants to speak truth. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring encouragement to you. And so JT is going to lead us in a song. And uh, if that's you, I just say, come to the good shepherd. We want to pray for you and bless what he's doing. Also, just if you have any pain in your body, uh, we want to pray for you. We want to pray healing for you. We want to pray uh, comfort for you. So just come forward as we have this final song, and someone will come and pray for you. But let's, uh, let's lean into him this morning. So everyone's okay? <laughs> really? Let's check the truth meter. Oh, but I just encourage you, it's, don't miss this. Press into the Lord. Don't let that forgetfulness keep you in your seat right now. There are some of you that, that the enemy has just been whooping on you this week. You need to be reminded of the truth that you're his little lamb and he has what you need. So just press into him this morning. As people come forward, Let's have folks come up, women praying for women, guys for guys. Let's just bless what God is doing. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare your living home. Your presence, Lord I've tasted and seen Of the sweetest of loves When my heart becomes free My shame is undone In your presence, Lord. So we sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our Oh, uh-huh. 
we thank you for your presence. <clears throat> we thank you for what you're doing right now, all the ways you're coming close, all the ways you're, you're breaking through our forgetfulness and saying, I'm here, I know you, I love you, I know what's best for you, I'm always with you. Lord, I pray uh, just for us as a church that we would be a people who are constantly looking to you, submitting our, to you, believing that you know best. Lord, I, I, I just think of that scripture, the glorious freedom of the children of God, Lord. It's glorious because, because, you're, because of you, because we're never alone, because you're always with us, you're always watching over us. I just pray this morning as we get, you know, into a new week that you would remind us every day and all throughout the day, remind us that we are never alone. Lord, I pray when, if we're trying to hide something from you, don't let us. I pray you just you convict us, Lord, that we would be a people who as much as we can are just open-handed, laying our lives before you each and every day. Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for all that you're doing. Uh, just bless everyone that's here, every family that's represented. We, just, we pray a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.